G'day, welcome to Partakers. This is a series of studies called Luke Looks Back, based in the Gospel of Luke, and is presented to us by Roger Kirby. Over to you, Roger. Hello again. This is the first part of our second study on Luke chapter 2, the birth of Jesus Messiah. Not all the stories commonly believed about the birth of Jesus are true to the actual facts. Um, Herod died in 4 BC. Jesus was born before then, before 4 BC, in Bethlehem, which was not his parents' home village, probably in an ordinary house. The word commonly translated in can mean a guest room or just the sleeping area in a house. The manger would be between the family area and the livestock area in a house divided down the middle between those two areas. First we read verses 1 to 20 of Luke chapter 2. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The first question then. Luke carefully says 
the birth of King Jesus occurred during the reign of Caesar Augustus, who was a great and good Roman emperor who brought lasting peace to a world in which there had been many wars. What does Luke want us to learn from this? And I pause. One of the main themes of this, as all the Gospels, is the collision between the kingdom of Caesar and the kingdom of God. Luke was writing to Christians who might be martyred for refusing to say Caesar is Lord because they believed Jesus is Lord. Luke wants us to understand the enormous significance of what was happening. Jesus was going to challenge Caesar. And question two. Why does Luke choose to focus on the low-caste shepherds rather than Matthew's high-caste wise men? As we noted in the first study, Luke emphasizes the poor, the weak, and the lost, not the rich, the healthy, and the found. The title, Christ the Lord, appears only here in all the New Testament. The word Christ has two meanings. It is a Greek word of the New Testament, equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah of the Old Testament. Here, and generally in the Gospels, it is a title, meaning the Anointed One. Later, in the Epistles, it really becomes just part of Jesus' name. Most recent English versions use Messiah when it is a title, Christ when it is a name. Here, then, it would be the Lord Messiah. Our nearest translation in everyday words is King Jesus. It is important to remember that when Luke uses this title, he means the very special God-appointed, anointed one, King Jesus. Now question three. A lot of people travelled to Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary, the shepherds, the wise men. Why did each of them go? What did they intend to do when they got there? Why are we told these things? What are we meant to learn from what happened? They all travelled in the purposes of God. It was important that those from both the top and the bottom of the society of those days should be there to see the baby king. They probably had only the vaguest idea of why they were there. They were there for our benefit, so we could be told about them and marvel at the stories. Read the rest of chapter 2 from verse 21 through to verse 52. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. 
and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul also. There was a prophetess, Anna, and the, the daughter of Panuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. When he was twelve years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they, they travelled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. 
What does Simeon say, which introduces a new and important idea that neither Zachariah nor Mary mentioned in their songs? I'll read again the little song of praise of Simeon. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And now the pause. Simeon relates what is happening to the lives of ordinary people. They will experience salvation, and the promise made to Abraham long ago that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you will finally come true. Question 5. Remembering that the Romans occupied their country, what did Anna mean when she spoke about the redemption of Jerusalem? She was probably thinking in a very practical way that the Romans would be thrown out of Jerusalem. It wasn't going to work like that. She spoke something that was a true prophecy, but not in the way she thought. Question 6. In order to emphasize that Jesus came for both men and women, Luke pairs up a story involving a man with one involving a woman at least 27 times in this gospel. Identify where he does this in these first two chapters, which is the most important member of the pair on each of these occasions. Zachariah and Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary, Simeon and Anna, and the men and women are about evenly balanced in importance. Question 7. What do the episodes at the end of our reading from the childhood of Jesus tell us about Jesus? What are we being told here? He was God? Or he was man? Which do you find it most difficult to believe? And why? His life as a human being is being emphasized here. He appears to have been a particularly bright and intelligent lad. And that's the end of our second study. Thanks, Roger. This series is on every Sunday, but as usual on Partakers, www.partakers.co.uk, there is something new available every day to inspire your Christian life.